0: Alex Summers is a composer, producer, and multi instrumentalist whose many film scores include Causeway, Honey Boy, and Captain Fantastic. He has collaborated extensively with artists Sigaros and Janzi and produced the likes of Johan Johansson, Sigaros, and Damien Rice, as well as releasing many fine albums of his own compositions. In this episode, we talk about recording in an Italian castle, field recordings, and music as environment, and sharing our musical misfits. Stick around.
1: Welcome to Chamber House.
0: Alex, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. So my first exposure to your music came through hearing your collaboration with your longtime partner, Yonzi. And Rice Boy Sleeps is one of my all time favorite albums. But I don't really know of any music of yours that comes from before that time period. So what I'm curious to know is, do you think of that album as sort of a watershed moment in your life and career, or was it more of a continuation of things that had been building in you for a long time?
1: Well, thanks so much. I'm so glad you like it. Yeah, it was definitely not a watershed moment for us. It was just something we were doing very much for fun in our free time, in our kitchen, in our living room. with Very lo-fi means, very DIY. And after some years of tinkering we started to realize, oh, maybe we have a collection of songs that kind of feels unified and could be an album. And then at that point, we decided to mix it and finish it. But it was kind of a reaction to going to music school, I think. When I got to music school when I was 18, I studied at Berklee College of Music. But I didn't really think about it at the time, but I started making music that was straight to micro cassette, mono, or only using the built-in microphone on my Apple laptop at the time or just like very primitive. Basically, all the music I made was very primitive. I tuned all my guitars to be a D major chord. So everything kind of just was like very sympathetically, harmonically tuned and just played really simple stuff. And I think that time informed what came later, which informed a lot of the you know, Rice Boy Sleeps stuff. And Rice Boy Sleeps began as Yonsei and I making field recordings in the street of Boston, standing outside a piano store that played classical piano music. But I was obsessed with it because they played it through like a really shitty like megaphone horn. So that was an extenuation of like the music I'd been making, which was really lo-fi because I was like craving those kind of sounds where like the music was 50%, but really the sonic fingerprints were at least 50% of how it felt or how you presented it. So it was just recording this megaphone thing and then slowing it down on the computer and building little ambient pieces around it.
0: I really like what you were saying in the first part of that, about working on a piece of music and then setting it down and coming back to it after a long period of time. And I find it really interesting how a piece of music can sometimes seem to bloom outside of our own intentional involvement with it. You know, like you come back to it and it feels like a different person wrote it. It's almost like you're collaborating with yourself.
1: Yeah, for sure. I'm definitely in my friend circle and my manager. I feel like I'm very well known for um, letting pieces of music sit orphaned for years. Hmm. I have a strange relationship to my own music where it's hard for me to really look at it in the eyes. So often I'll do something and not really be able to engage with it for a very long time. You know, I'm trying to do better as the years go by, but it's, yeah, it's difficult to move past. So, yeah, I think collaborating with yourself, that kind of makes sense to how I sometimes do stuff Um because it's like an older like xerox of yourself and or more like fighting yourself you're like i'll record a piece of music and then i'll decide i don't like it but um, i hate wasting things sometimes so i'll just destroy it through like sheer distortion or effects or like cutting or hacking or glitching out until i have like some ashes of something that i'm like that's interesting or it makes me like excited again and that'll sometimes happen a few times
0: Yeah. And I know that you write a lot of music for films. And I can't think of a more different process from the one that you're describing, you know, where you have so many people with different ideas about what it should be and timelines and all these pressures. And I guess I just find it really interesting how different approaches can get such different things out of us.
1: Yeah, that's true. Everything I've said so far is only regarding solo music and making music with my friends, not my um, music for film and TV and stuff. That's really different. Yeah, you can't let something sit and come back to it. You just all instinct. You just have to do something and, and then keep going. I just feel like I have a million problems, but writer's block is not one. <laughs> so like anytime I sit down to do something, I'll write something. Again, not saying it's very good, but something always comes out. So like usually with film stuff, i would be like wow it's so almost random like if you would sit down the following day or two days later like maybe the score would just be so different but um i like to like steep yourself in the environment of a film or the ideas or the characters or the scripts or the early cut and then just try to like just write music that like is influenced by that and you feel like would be supportive to that and just write and record a bunch of stuff and definitely never ever precious about film music because you can't be because it's a serving a, a greater thing not not a standalone thing and I love film scoring it's extremely fun um but doing it kind of full time since like 2014 I guess about eight years and uh it's just so fun and every film is different you get to work with your friends a lot more and more the last five years I've just been collaborating so much with various friends who are musicians or producers or engineers and because of film scoring I mean I write and release hours of music every year now you know
0: One of your scores that I really love is one that you wrote for the Bill Morrison documentary called Dawson City. And it's made up of these old decaying reels of film that they basically pulled out of the Canadian permafrost. And in it, there's this real attention to the grit and the quality of the film itself. And I thought you were such a great fit to work on this film because of how much attention you put on the quality and the texture of your soundscapes. And I was curious if you could tell me any more about what it was like to write the music for it.
1: Well, thanks for watching, Dawson City. It's a yeah beautiful movie and was a real treat to get to write the music for it. It was a little bit daunting. It's a two-hour silent film with no dialogue. So hmm. it's all music and it has like text narration throughout for kind of like loose narrative. But it's quite It's a pretty abstract movie. It's um, made entirely out of found film reels. So the narrative is as much as you could weave between found material. So it's, it's a really interesting film. And it's made, like you said, by Bill Morrison, who has a history of making films from archival footage. You know, we met, we talked about it for a couple of years. And he likes to edit like a music video. So he likes to have music delivered as he's working. So I'm not sure what I can say about it. I was just immediately taken by the idea. You know, he told me about these film reels that were found and they were preserved because they were frozen in tundra and like ice and like all these weird situations. And it's just so in sync with the way I think about stuff. And I was like, wow, this is so cool. Found this stuff and you dug it up and you're making a film from it. And to make music that paired to that, that kind of a life, birth, decay, like regeneration kind of like weirdness. It was just really fun. It was like the dream. I don't think I'll ever get to score a film. That's like that in sync with like just my style. And like, Hmm. um, the music really gets to shine because it's a silent film. So it was really a great experience. I love Bill Morrison. His work's super cool. You can see his stuff a lot in New York and in other cities. So look him up if you're curious about that stuff.
0: Yeah, definitely. When you're working on a film, how much of yourself do you feel like you're able to pour into it? You know, like, Do you often feel a lot of pressure to write outside of your wheelhouse or do you mostly feel like you are able to write in a style that's pretty true to your own natural way of writing?
1: Yeah, I don't feel a lot of pressure to write outside my wheelhouse. Of course, I don't want to do the same thing, you know, year in, year out. I do want to be able to grow my palette and challenge myself and do stuff that stretches the bounds of of what I do for sure, that's important to me just as the years go on. But um, I'm more on the side of like getting hired because the filmmakers think that my sound is maybe close to what we're after, or they, they really enjoyed a previous album or film score and they th- think the atmosphere of that might fit. You know, it tends to be that, which is cool because I want to put as much as myself in it as possible. Like, I feel like when you make music for a film, you're, there's, there's so many collaborators, there's so many people who care about a film you know like hundreds of people make a film and uh they might you know might have been their baby for the last two three four years by the time you get hired and I feel like if everyone is putting themselves into it like that's what makes us interesting as people right how whatever makes us unique so I just want to do that really make it as much my own as possible and not try to be a people pleaser you know in the revision process there comes a time where if you have a a music cue in the film and it keeps getting rejected and you have to kind of like really deliver what they want that happens of course it's normal but for the most part I really try to be myself make it what I think is cool because that's why I'm there I guess the main thing I get all the time is like we love what you do like go do you kind of thing but then usually it's always too slow. <laughs> so like need more momentum, some percussion or some like driving arpeggiators or like something. So I'm kind of gotten used to that and I'm kind of learning how to put momentum into it without chucking it out and doing mm. a rewrite. Like I'm kind of learning how to do that. This is interesting.
0: I wanted to follow up with something that you said earlier about field recordings while working on the Rice Boy Sleeps album. And I'm curious to know if there's any particular reason why it seems so important for you to highlight sounds from the environment, from the natural world, and to give them such a prominent place in your recordings.
1: Good question, because I don't think about it super consciously a lot, because I have been doing it since I was a teenager, but... I just think so much about music as like an environment. Like in my own home, I sometimes listen to the same piece of music for three or four days, and I just lower the level or raise it up. I have like a speaker in every room in my house, so it kind of just sounds like it's emanating from the walls. I usually don't have it really loud, just kind of low. Or I might loop a record for a week. I just love music as environment, you know, kind of like, so it's kind of there, but it's kind of not. And I think in our lives, like nature, or whatever human nature is like environmental and for some reason it's always seeped into my work like on and off through the years and hmm. i like it i think it's fun i think it's fun to to have music not in a vacuum that it's like mm-hmm. environmental i think it makes it easier to loop if you're someone like me who loops stuff around the house or whatever like having it be an environment. Um, Um, This is an aside, but my favorite piece of music, I don't know, maybe of all time is called (laughs) Ultimate Thunderstorm. It's on that series of records called Environments. This guy was making field recordings in the 1970s with like little portable tape machines, probably like quarter inch reel to reel or something. And uh, Environments 4 has a song called Ultimate Thunderstorm. So good. It's so good. Anytime it rains in L.A., even if it's just a drizzle, I put that on and put it really low level. So it's like you can't, it's blurred, the difference between inside and outside. It's just the best feeling.
0: Yeah, that sounds awesome. I'll definitely have to find that recording sometime. So let's talk about the piece that you're sharing with us today. Uh, Can you tell us a little bit about it and some more about why it's important to you?
1: Um, Wow, saying it's important to me might be pushing it because, um, well, I mean, I guess it is. It is meaningful to me. Um, It was written and recorded in a castle in mm. northern italy in the summer of 2019 and the cellist who's playing is one of my best friends and closest collaborators uh giva. sorry that's my dog running up. giva Valti's daughter. she's amazing and also the experience of being in that castle was cool and fun and different so just because of the nature of how i made it that was like special and meaningful yeah but i've already said it in this in this chat that i do have a hard or like a weird relationship to my music and tend to like let things become orphans and hard for me to, yeah, just like let go and stuff. So this has been kicking around now for how it's been three and a half years.
0: Yeah. It's funny how hard it is sometimes to decide when a thing is finally finished. Right. You know, especially when it's your own thing and there's no specific timeline for it or anything.
1: Well, there's different layers of that. Cause I do have that problem of like, it's not done. It's not done. This one is definitely done. I'm not going to do anything to it. Um, I don't know it's both the other thing is more like like weird just musical not being able to let go and not thinking it's good enough or or just right the one when i actually like finish something i have a few things that are actually finished like final mix just sitting in in my music library and it's been years um i don't know what it is i can't i don't like to just like engage with my own music or like look at i can't if i can't see it clearly like a title and like an album cover and the whole thing it doesn't like take shape to me then it's easier to just ignore it and focus on film scoring and my friends and my family and just my life and like mm. yeah whatever which is like really dumb because if I were releasing the music I make year by year by year it would be fun because I would ha- you know have a healthier relationship to sharing music and I could see how you know my sound was maybe changing or evolving or whatever but I tend to just like finish stuff periodically and at that point it may be you know, it might be hearing something that's six years old or not relevant to me anymore, weird. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm not proud of this. I want to do better. I want to release music more often and um, not be like weirdly attached to it or whatever I am.
0: Yeah. Is it comforting on any level to know that that music's there just waiting for you?
1: No, I, I want it not there. <laughs> I wish it wasn't there. If I think about it, but it's easy. I just don't think about it. Like again, mm-hmm. so this piece was recorded three and a half years ago. I, I mixed it like six months after that after the castle or something i haven't heard it for over a year probably like sometimes you know i'll listen to works in progress around my house just to remind myself that they exist or it'd be like oh i should do something with that Mm. but i don't know yeah it's just dysfunction i don't know if other people can relate. it's just like a weird dysfunctional thing but yeah this is a piece called um unraveling which was just the working title but um it's been a while now so it might stick i feel like at towards the end you hear some really high cello si- we called them like sirens because i like hummed like a siren <laughs> like that to my friend gila and had her like mimic the the kind of pattern of my hump of like my weird whining humming thing so i feel like that kind of like and then there's a harmony to the one and i felt like it was almost like a ball of yarn kind of unwrapped like it was a nice visual yeah. in my head um of kind of these like singular high sirens kind of intertwining and building up or unraveling or something but um yeah it's a piece made in the castle with friends um in the summer of 2019 and hopefully it will appear in the outer world at some point but thanks for listening and thanks for encouraging me to send you an unreleased piece for this
0: yeah well thanks so much for doing it and thanks so much for being on the show with me today
1: yeah thank you so much thanks for listening
0: And now, Alex Summers' new song, Unraveling. Unraveling was performed by Gila Votestotter and Alex Summers. Chamber House is produced by Daniel Dixon and Dabney Morris. See you next time.